Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, we'll be talking to Marcel de Grutter from Abbott Healthcare in his role as Executive Director of the OpenSCS Workgroup about OpenSCS, the Open Serialization Communication Standard. Marcel will explain us what the OpenSCS does, what serialization is. He'll talk about developments driven forward in this area by COVID-19 and the role OPCUA plays as the base communication architecture. Okay, let's start. Hi, Marcel. Thanks for joining. How are you? Hello, uh, Peter. Uh, thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, in, in the current sub- sub- uh, circumstances, I can say that uh, I'm doing well. Uh, and asking today how people are doing is, of course, uh, very special. We all know how uh, important health is today, these days. Yes, we're recording in special times, and we'll get back to that later. Your company and you'll talk about is actually very specifically involved with COVID-19. Marcel, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Where are you from? What have you been doing before? Tell us a bit about Abbott and your role at Abbott Healthcare, as well as your and the OpenSES involvement to date with OPC Technology and the OPC Foundation. Yeah, uh, so my name is Marcel de Grutter. I'm uh, based in the Netherlands, uh, working for more than 32 years now in the pharmaceutical industry, always for the same company, but in many uh, different roles. So in the past, I was heading operational departments, so packaging uh, departments, but I was also uh, head of IT. I was involved in MAS implementations, so manufacturing execution systems, uh, but also the rollout of SAP, so the ERP uh, system that we have, and for a time responsible even for quality systems inside Abbott and former Solway. And uh, since a few years, I'm concentrating on uh, civilization, where I currently have the role of liaison regulatory government affairs, where I make uh, the connection between the, uh, say, authorities and regulatory affairs departments in Abbott on the subject uh, civilization. Okay, let's dive into our main topic, Open STS. Open STS stands for Open Serialization Communication Standard. Can you please explain to our listeners what serialization means and where it is used? Yeah, uh, before we, we uh, talk about serialization, we, ha- we have to address why it is needed. And uh, this is because there are a lot of substandard, unregistered license or falsified medicine products uh, going around in in the world. And uh, a lot of people even are dying from that. And uh, to explain what what that means, so uh, substandard uh, means that products are out of specifications or, for example, they don't meet uh, the quality standards that that are implied. And falsified means medication, medical products that are uh, deliberated or fraudulent, misinterpreted, or identified, or even, for example, the source is not the source, the source where it's actually coming from. And then we have unregistered, unlicensed products, where uh, we have not undergone the evaluation that is needed for uh, medical products to go to the market. And according to the uh, World Health Organizations, in low and mid 
income countries, they have found that even 10.5% uh, of the products are effect leading to many issues and also deaths. And if you look to, uh, to COVID-9, for example, to put that in perspective, of course, we have a lot of deaths because of COVID-19. But if you look to the number of deaths caused by uh, falsified, substandard and unwisted products, that's even more. Because usually between 72,000 and 196,000 deaths of children under 15 years are caused by substandard falsified antibiotics only. And then they have assessed that between 31,000 and 160,000 deaths are caused by substandard and falsified antimaterials in sub-Saharan Africa. And even now with COVID, you see a lot of counterfeit products like mouth masks and other products as well that have, are classified, for example, as FFP2 for mouth masks, but in fact are not. So the regulatory bodies have to do something about, of course, to protect us. And this is why a lot of regulations around the world are coming up for track and trace pharmaceutical products. And one of the ways how you can do that is by civilization. And civilization means that every uh, sales unit gets his own unique serial number. So to explain that, it's, it's different than, uh, for example, the product coding that we currently see. So if you buy uh, a can of Coca-Cola, there is already a product code on that, but you can scan and you have the product. But now what we are doing is adding a unique number for each can. So for each, in pharmaceuticals then, for each unit that is sold. And then we can use that to track and trace that, that product to see, for example, where counterfeits are entering the supply chain, but also, for example, when a pharmacist is dispensing this unit, then he scans the, the code. That code is then flagged in the system and cannot that same unit cannot be sold anywhere else anymore. So if, if somebody else tries to sell this product at another location, then the system will get uh, warnings. And to do this efficiently across the supply chain, we also do aggregation. That means that even we are connecting then, for example, cases to the sales units and then the cases to the pallet as such. So in the supply chain, people can scan a box or a pallet and they know which units are inside. Thank you very much for that very detailed clarification on a, what should I say, very up-to-date topic. You mentioned the example of the the mouse masks and nobody outside of the industry, I guess, had ever heard about and the area where I live in Germany, in Bavaria, um, people are going to have to be using these mouse marks from coming Monday on. And I guess we all understand how important it is. That's an example. Or if in the near future we're going to get a, a medicine against COVID, that we're going to get the original and not a falsified version. So where does Open SDS fit into this kind of developments just described by you? First of all, you have to understand how normally companies are classifying investments that they have to do. And I'm talking with now before COVID, maybe after COVID that will change. I will explain that. But till now, companies are classifying systems in systems of innovation 
system to support the business process and system of regulatory compliance. And because of uh, serialization was seen just as a regulatory compliance before, companies were just invested what was needed. So in early states of, of implementing serialization, without having the, the scope of COVID, but even knowing about what would be additional benefits of, of implementing civilization, it was just seen as a license to sell. So companies were just seeing how quick I can implement this and comply just with the regulations as such. And a lot of, of, of companies coming from other businesses saw this as, as a chance. However, they even had no knowledge about uh, the pharmaceutical requirements as such. So in, in pharmaceuticals, you have high demands, for example, to validate systems to ensure data integrity and safety and, and that the system is really doing what it's developed for. But in, in many implementations, that was taken in account, of course, because it's, it's, it's normal in pharma, but it, it didn't get the attention, especially if you look to security, that should be there. So vendors and specialists in pharma companies were developing and implementing systems in their own layer of expertise without thinking about the future and how the data of civilization could be used or should be used for other purposes as well. And therefore, five years ago, uh, there was organized an event by Optel in Frankfurt where 85 subject matter experts came together and they discussed on the integration issues that they found at time. And they found there is a big need for standardization of interfaces between the different layers so that uh, company X can easily interface with uh, company I. Till then, and even till now, such kind, developing such kind of interfaces are complete new projects. And, and that should not be uh, the case because it's also very time consuming and also very costly. We also saw that customers and, and vendors were speaking different languages. So they did not use the same uh, language. And the implementations were done with a lot of customizations. And those can lead to data integrity, but also high cost. And even can block us for future innovations. Very good. I hear different languages and the listeners will recognize that that is the typical origin of problem areas where then organizations and companies decide to start working with OPCUA. So which have been for you the main challenges? Yeah, uh, because uh, regulatory bodies wanted to respond quick because if people are dying, uh, it came in the news, etc. The timelines to implement were very short. And besides, they underestimated uh, the requirements to implement those, those systems, like, for example, the huge amount of data that is produced and have to be stored and captured in also, of course, a safe way so that uh, hackers and others cannot access this. And what I said before, the, the people that were implementing, so the, the, even the companies, were focusing just to meet the deadlines because if they didn't meet the deadlines, they could not sell the parts. So that was their first worry. Then what I said, that people were speaking a different language. So to understand what should be implemented and how to implement was a big uh, deal as well. 
And we currently see that, that the regulators are, uh, say, publishing regulations, but there are no detailed specifications. So they say the companies have to do this, but they are not explaining why. And for example, what they have to report and how they have to report. Then also to connect the different systems of the different vendors, what I said was a project on its own, still it is today. And the, the salespeople of the vendors were using nice slides, for example, about the ISA 95 model. But if you went in depth, they didn't understood what it, what it means. So there was a, a lack of understanding on how to use the existing standards, for example, like OPCUA, ISA 95, but also the standards from, from GS1. So that was a big challenge for us. And then we also saw that vendors, of course, they, they wanted to uh, sell uh, flu-bone solutions covering all the, the layers, not taking in account the requirements in pharma. So a lot of pharmaceutical companies work with a lot of third-party manufacturers, for example. And the, the civilization data have to be shared with a lot of different parties and also a lot of different systems. And that's, that's very difficult. Then also we see that the, the current systems are applied and developed for development countries, but to implement those in emerging countries will be a big challenge because of the, the knowledge to maintain them, but also the costs that are going uh, with those. So that, that's why we saw that a new standard or new way of, of working or thinking was, was needed. That's another typical area. Again, listeners will recognize uh, starting to work with OPC as a global communication architecture typically means moving from lock-in situations, you know, customers being locked in, as you just explained, towards uh, an open solution. So can I, can our listeners assume that digital transformation of healthcare is going to address those challenges and how would serialization and open SDS fit in? Yeah, so what I explained that uh, is that serial numbers are applied to the packaging of drugs using uh, the GS1 data matrix barcode, which is including also batch number and lot number. So that can help a lot in, for example, uh, the hospitals. So for example, when uh, nurses are dispensing products, not only the product itself can be detected, but also if the product has expired or not, or if it is the, the right dosage. So applying the, the barcode as such is already very helpful. Then also GS1 has uh, developed EPCIS, which stands for Electronic Product Information Service. And that's about the what, when, and why. So why a serial number, for example, is destroyed or removed from, from one location to another. Then also, to, to stick first to the supply chain, they have also developed the GS1 uh, digital link. And that can be used to link what is in the code, so the GS1 data matrix, with all types of other information and even formats. So you can imagine that in the future, patients will be able to scan the barcode in a certain application where there is a menu. And in that menu, you can select, for example, I want to go to an e-leaflet. So there's no paper leaflet anymore, but there is an e-leaflet with the latest information, the latest data. But even more advanced, if you go, for example, to medical devices, which are sometimes 
not so easy to apply or understand for, for people how to use, we can show them a video how this product should be used. And then, of course, where it was intended for protecting patients for uh, substandard and falsified drugs, but it can also be used, for example, for recall improvements. So where in the past, a complete batch had to be recalled from the market when there was an issue with that drugs. Now we can clearly identify which units, and we can even also easily assure that these products are not sold because such numbers could reflect in a database. And when a pharmacist wants to sell this product, he gets a warning, there is something with this product. We can also use it for uh, stolen or misused products. We can go, for example, for smart packaging. Maybe you have heard about this. Uh, there's a lot of, of noise about this as well. So even packaging firms are now working on connecting the packaging with digital, with the digital world. That's, that's a new way of, of thinking as well. You can even think about interaction checking. So if, if a patient is using a, a certain type of medication and he scans another medication, then the system could say, oh, there is an interaction between this product. You should be careful or you should not take it. So there are a lot of developments going on. And to enable this developments in, for example, already in the supply chain, like the mobile app for patients, pharmacies, etc., it requires also a robust, trustable, and safety integrations between the systems below. So if you talk to the enterprise system, supply chain, manufacturing execution systems, but even other functions, like, for example, artwork design, we can think about uh, late-stage customizations where the uh, artwork system, the artwork is not stored anymore in the PDF, but in a type of XML or other format that you can send via OPC UA or other technologies to the equipments in the line. Think about uh, laboratoria. So you see also the tendency in pharma, and, and now even I think more with COVID, to work with centralized uh, laboratories which has special knowledge about certain issues. So you can send the samples to there and then then you have cold stream, so to detect if products were out of the refrigerator. And a lot of those functions are not only in the supply chain, but even already on the manufacturing side. And that means that beside of uh, what GS1 is covering on the supply chain with EPCIS, etc., in the horizontal integration, we also need vertical integration. And in that vertical integration, there, OPC UA and also OpenSCS with that, comes into place. You see now what, what I have learned for, from COVID, what was interesting, for example, in Italy, when they had a lack of spare parts for, for products, they were uh, using 3D printers now to print those spare parts. And I know about, uh, for example, developments in China where CAPCAM systems are directly connected with those 3D printers using OPC UA to exchange uh, the data to print them. So in most cases, people were thinking that the manufacturing function was just to put serialization code on the pack. However, now we learned there's much more behind and we need very robust, but also safe systems to apply that code to the packs. You gave two great examples for horizontal, vertical integration Italy, China, uh, you mentioned here, with regards to COVID-19. 
in these not so easy, difficult times of COVID-19, what do you believe will be the effect, if any, on regulations? And what resulting developments do you expect? Yeah, I think there will be a huge shift in, in thinking. So companies, but also regulatory bodies and others, where in the past focused a lot of cost, quality, and delivery. Now with COVID, we see that uh, resilience, responsiveness, uh, reconfigurability, and also security are even so important. So, so that will take uh, another way of, of thinking. You can implement a system for serialization, but if hackers can go into and change serial numbers or even uh, use those serial numbers or even block products to come to the market, that, that's a great issue. And especially in situations like we have with COVID. So also, I think the awareness is raised now that pharma has become, and we, we did know that already, but now it's even pointed out more, uh, that pharma is really becoming a global business. So if you see, uh, I think maybe 80% of the mouth masks are coming from China. And, and that's also for a lot of pharmaceutical products. And China are two of the biggest, say, producers of drugs today. Also, what, what we have seen with all the, all the remote working that we have because of COVID, people have to be uh, staying at home. Digitalization and also digital transformation will get a boost. So we, we will think about different ways of how to produce and doing things remotely. Anti-counterfeit in, in the same time has, has raised because crime mills are making use of the situation. People just want to have a mouse mask. They don't care or are not aware about that you can buy a wrong one. Like, like you also explained already. Uh, yeah, also what I heard, so uh, the partners of my sons, they are working in hospitals and they also explained that by using uh, barcodes, you can reduce errors a lot, especially in the stressful uh, situation that our nurses are now in, in the hospitals, because they have a lot of, of stress, a lot of patients, and applying barcodes to the pet with best number expiry date, etc., and civilization can help them a lot. Also, even if countries, now we, we heard something, I, I heard some talks about uh, deglobalization. So some people are talking, yeah, but if we, we have deglobalization, what that would mean, for example, to apply in global standards. But my stake is that even if you are doing localization, to apply global standards will be extremely important because you see companies are going bankrupt, for example. And if you have very high customized systems, how are you going to support that? If you are using open and global standards, you are much more flexible and there are much more resources available to maintain those systems. Very good. Back to OpenSCS. What is the mission and scope of the Open Serialization Communication Standard? Uh, yeah, we are specifying functional operation, operability and of packaging serialization solution because we want to have a seamless integration of operations and business processes across the organizations, but also regulatory bodies. And we are also aligning with other industry groups and standards. So what we are doing is specifying the interfaces that are used for the vertical exchange of serial numbers and other data that is required for the serialization process. 
And we know there are already existing uh, standards, like I mentioned GS1 with EPCIS for the horizontal communication. But we are more focusing on the vertical integration of systems. And then especially for the people with more knowledge about, I'm talking about layer two, three, and four. Those systems can be in the same uh, factory, but it can also be, for, I explained already that in pharmaceuticals, we are working with a lot of third-party manufacturers. So there are also a lot of, say, a level three systems that are used in manufacturing that has to be connected with the enterprise systems of multinationals, for example. So that requires also integration. And if we like it or not, we will need to connect with uh, different uh, vendors and systems. And there will be even more vendors going to the market uh, because civilization is now hot, of course, in emerging markets. So we have implemented civilization first in Argentina was, was the first one, then Turkey came, then Europe came, and the US is coming now. But the, the emerging markets are coming up now soon. And in there also the environment is different. And for example, the costs are very important. Cost, but also local support. It's not only saying in, in the manufacturing area, but you have also packaging operations in the distributor centers, which are also currently not really tossed because uh, currently a lot of uh, civilization systems are focused on track and trace from the manufacturer till the patient, but the systems in between, so in the distributor centers or in the, in the world sailors, for example, are not really implemented yet. But also there, you will have packaging operations like uh, de-aggregation and aggregation of uh, serial numbers again. So also there will be requirements for integration of vertical systems with the systems above. Right. And I recall when you talk about the vertical integration, the typical automation pyramid with the IT systems at the top and the production systems, SBS, the sensors um, at the bottom and the different layers in between. Can our listeners understand OpenSCS as a brand new standard for serialization? Um, yes and no. So, so it has to be clear that we are not uh, replacing any existing standard. Uh, that was a, a misinterpretation of, of many people and also some worries that, that some people had. It's more an add-on specification on how to use those existing standards correctly, like OPCUA, EPCIS, ISO 95, S88, and how to use them and model and configure those interfaces always in the same way and ensure that the parties, the different parties, are even also talking the same language and understand what it means. We see, see now that in some systems, data is used in a different way. And vendors that are working with each other, they expect that the data that they are uh, delivering is used in the other system at the same way, when it's not. And that can lead to data integrity issues. So we are not replacing or modifying existing standards, but when needed, we extend them uh, for the functionalities that we need in uh, packaging operations. And also to ensure that they can be the civilization systems will not be put on top of our current business processes, but can be integrated with the operations and systems that we already have. We are working very closely with GS1, for example, to ensure 
that the data models that we are building are compatible or even completely compliant with the EPCIS model so that we don't conflict with uh, the GS1 standard and we can easily interface the, the system from level three with level four and everybody in, in the space is talking the, the same uh, language and we don't need to build in conversion tables, for example, to convert data just because people are speaking a wrong language. And we have experts in S95 as well that uh, knowing how those systems work and what actually S95 means, what kind of functionalities are there and how we have to model the data to be able to interface with those different systems in the different layers. So why did OpenSCS choose OPC UA as your underlying communication architecture? Yeah, OPC is already widely used in, in manufacturing operation systems. And now even you see it that it's more and more used in enterprise level. I explained already the connectivity that some companies make directly to 3D printers. So which, which are then in, in manufacturing areas and then steered by CAD CAM systems on the level four system. It can support digital transformation uh, where we need communication technology that allows vendors independent and secure transmission of structured serialization information. So into the production and packaging system. Then what is very important, it's an open standard, freely available and implemented on the GPLE2 uh, license. So it's, it's not belonging to a certain vendor. It's not a technology of a certain uh, vendor. It's a service-oriented architecture. It's robust security. This is a point that I want to stress out because I see a lot of issues with that current implementations. Of course, companies are relying on their in-house uh, security already. But I have detected many, many issues with those, especially uh, where we know that counterfeits mostly are coming from inside the information that is stolen from inside the company by people working inside the company as well, because there is so much money to gain with. It's focusing on the communication with industry equipment and systems for data collection and control. And what is also very nice, it's, it's a cross-platform. So it's not tied to one operating system or program language. And I had some experience with uh, OPC UA already, even before serialization. Uh, for example, where we try to integrate uh, laboratorium systems directly with operations. And it is very, very powerful. Thank you for pointing out the main reasons why you've chosen OPC UA as your base uh, communication architecture and also for putting the built-in security amongst others at a, at a very high level. How is your organization organized and what's the relationship with the OPC Foundation? The OPC Foundation is uh, acting as a host for the OpenC, uh, Open SES initiative. And we are uh, working as an OPC Foundation working group. And the nice thing is that the OPC, uh, Open uh, SES group members are providing extra funding. And the steering committee of the Open SES can uh, handle pretty independent from the OPC Foundation with that. 
So, for example, we are hiring full-time SMEs from the, the money that we get from the members. Our membership and administrative processes include our website are handled and supported by the OpenSea Foundation as well. So we don't have to establish all kinds of procedures or uh, legal structures even to work with. We have about 22 members, whereof two pharmaceutical companies and 19 vendors consultancy firms. And our steering committee exists of 12 members. Then to mention something about more, so I'm the executive director of the OpenSCS. I also want to stress out, I didn't say that in the beginning, but all what I'm, I'm talking about today is on behalf of the OpenSCS and is not on behalf of Abbott, just to, to be clear. Mike Bryant is our OpenSCS operation director and also our secretary. secretary. And then we have Thomas Halfman, who is our marketing director. And Cross Pavero is our subject matter expert on OPCUA. And then Mike Bryant is our technical director. And I think it's also important to mention that we are fully operating on the, by, on the bylaws of the OPC Foundation. So I'm sure that uh, <clears throat> listeners start or have been starting to ask themselves, and are curious, when can we expect products on the market using the OpenSCS specifications? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. A lot of people are asking this as well, because we are a, a long time already on the road uh, with all kinds of, of bumps. But version one that was already published and even is accessible from our website, that covers serial number exchange, is already ready to uh, be implemented. But some vendors addressed also that to implement a useful and full working solution, also master data exchange was essential. And therefore, we finalized very quickly version two of the packaging specification, which is reviewed by the members now. And we are working on the OPCUA companion spec to cover those functionalities as we speak. Now it's all to the market to, uh, to implement because the specifications are ready, but we also see uh, reluctance to do so, with, but I can understand. It's, it's a chicken and egg story. It's, it's about who is willing to lead, uh, take some risk, of course. And yeah, vendors are waiting on the, on the customers and customers are waiting on the vendors, like always. And then we have the continuous changes in the market, also on, on the regulatory base, which are not helping us so much because we still have to manage with, with close due dates. But the fact is that we are still missing global standards and the systems in place are very expensive to maintain. They are not safe. And then with each uh, new requirement, new integration of validation and security issues will come up. And I'm not talking about then specific implementations, even for civilization systems, but now with unlocking the benefits of civilization, integration will be uh, the next question. So how to integrate what we currently have in a safe and robust way, in a maintainable way with our existing system. Also, what you see in line with the requirements that I mentioned before of COVID-19 and the, the other way of, of thinking that we have to do. We have just implemented civilization, but we are protecting a small part of the world population against those substandard falsified drugs. And we are just in the beginning of the road. 
We have not covered the areas where the effect of falsified magnification, as we know, is, is the highest. So we need to have a more holistic scope. Then COVID-19 showed us that local and remote support will be required and system of different systems in different countries will need to be integrated to be used the best of weed. And they have to be affordable also in the economics that we are implementing this. And this is what we should not forget. We cannot implement a Mercedes in an emerging country where we uh, just need another brand to go from A to B. So we have really to think about what are the needs, the requirements, and also what can we afford to implement in uh, those emerging countries. Then also what, what, what is a struggle here is I think it's not so sexy to work on standardization. Maybe that will change now. But before COVID, it was not easy to motivate our management to invest. I, of course, I don't hope that it will happen. But if companies are hit by a catastrophe, and then I'm not talking about COVID-19 only, but for example, if systems will be going to be hacked and you cannot ship your products, or you realize you are blocked in your developments because you have not uh, standardized, then you create your own catastrophe. So it's not coming from outside, but even from inside. And yeah, therefore, uh, I'm still promoting and, and I'm believing, uh, however, we had a lot of struggles that OpenSCS is the right way to go. Yeah, interesting. You should say that standardization is not sexy. Um, I'm involved in standardization in this case of uh, artificial intelligence in manufacturing myself, actually, on Friday late afternoon, I have a, have a meeting uh, to go to, but it is very important. And as you say, I mean, only through standardization, global standardization, can we reach the necessary effectiveness and efficiency. So let's... Yeah, Peter, Peter, also, I, I want to, to jump on that as well, because uh, what, what you say is really right. In the past, I was also working on quality by design. And that time we wrote... Uh, 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 a paper, a kind of white paper for the ISPE on uh, integration of, of systems. And already eight years ago, we were telling and, and finding that standardization, especially also on, on data and how to use data, is extremely important. And yeah, it's good also that, that you mentioned that, and you see that also for intelligence, uh, intelligence. If the data is not correct, it's not working. Yeah, our increasing efficiency effectiveness starts with data today. You're right. Marcel, where can listeners that like to get more find further information on the detailed OpenSES specifications? Yeah, they can go to our own website, uh, www.openses.org. And also you will find some nice videos on, uh, on YouTube. And you can even just browse if you go to YouTube and you, you type in uh, OpenSES, then you will find some, uh, some nice videos as well. Very good. I'll repeat that um, URL address uh, just in a moment. We're getting to the end. Is there any activity that you may like to share? Any final thought that you think may be interesting for our listeners? Yeah, currently we are working, what I said already, with a, with a small team to, to finalize version two. However, we need really also companies 
asking vendors to implement and vendors to step up to take the risk also to deliver products to the market, to create the awareness that we are not a talking organization or a gentleman's club or whatever. We have recorded now some uh, training sessions. The first session uh, is already posted on YouTube. It was done by Dennis Brendel, where he gives a training on the basics of our standards, so the, the packaging specification as such. But this session will be followed up by uh, live demos on how to use the specification and build products uh, yourself by cost preparer. And we had planned before uh, COVID a, a live demo uh, session in Basel that time at, at WASH, but we had to cancel. But now we have built a virtual environment with 14 different virtual machines that we can use uh, for such demos. But we also kept alive for members to work and test on their own environments. So they can even use those uh, virtual environments to test their developments against each other. So sometimes uh, you see that uh, some vendors work with each other and they want to don't share where they are with other vendors, etc. So with this, we also give the possibility to, to vendors to connect one-to-one and then do their own developments and, and test it. Then our technical team is working hard and they have uh, bi-weekly meetings to finalize the, the specifications. And the team, it's a small team, but they are extremely motivated and also knowledgeable, uh, led by, uh, by COS. And also in, in that those meetings, uh, GS1 is attending. So Greg Allen Repack is part, really part of that team as well. And we adapt our standards also according to the inputs of uh, GS1 and vice versa. And uh, last but not least, also, I, I really want to use this opportunity to thank those guys and girls who are active in that team because they are not seen in front and they are not doing the sexy work. They are not uh, recording a podcast like me, but they are the ones that make things work. And this is also what I want to stress out. And also I ask the support of, of the vendors to keep supporting those guys, which, which spend also a lot of private time even in those developments. And then, of course, I like to thank those companies which continue to support us in a long and different journey we had and intent on working to implement because this is what finally counts. We need products in the market. It's not a paper-based exercise or a marketing exercise. We really need to make this work to protect people's life and have a better health care. Marcel, thanks a lot for sharing your open SCS view on the role OPC UA is to play in serialization. If you, dear listener, want to learn more about other OPC UA companion specifications or other pieces of the OPC UA technology or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions. Visit the OpenSCS website at www.open-scs.org or visit the OPC Foundation website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or are interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, maybe you want to join an OPC UA companion specification working group, or maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. 
We'll put both the website URLs and the mail address in the podcast notes. In future editions, I will be doing interviews with guests from Beckhoff, IBM, Schneider Electric, and many other companies on such topics as brownfield certification and further companion specifications. It was great to have you with us today. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up. Spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. Marcel, thank you for having been my guest today. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity you gave to OpenSES to get more known and also to share our vision and ways of working. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Bye-bye.